Over the last uh, 48 hours or so, there has been an awful lot that's gone on in our world, and uh, it's, you know, what does one say when, uh, when what's happened in Paris is a sign of constant turmoil that is present in our world? Like, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm, I'm just kind of blown away by the whole series of events uh, in the sense that nothing like this has ever happened in my lifetime. Like, I, I, I lived through the Vietnam era. It wasn't like this. And I, I don't know what it was like to... Some of you might remember what it was like to be alive in 1941 or something. Uh, I, of course, don't. And so I, I don't know what it felt like. I, I have a feeling that probably because of today's media and social media, that things still feel much different than they would have felt in 1941. But it's just, it's just interesting to, uh, to reflect on all of that. And uh, I, I mean, I use the word interesting. That's not even close to, to really what I feel. It's a, it's a heartbroken, helpless kind of of feeling as one thinks about the state that our world is in. Um, I'm going to pray about that, but I also, I wanted to mention, uh, Nancy uh, is sitting back here, our administrative assistant, and the other night I got a phone call, it was 10 o'clock, and uh, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I get a phone call, and Nancy calls me and she says, Kelly, I'm just calling to let you know that Felipe and the girls are moving to Peru tomorrow, (laughs) and it was because he's gotten a job there. And they all of a sudden had to go. And so in the space of their own about 48 hours, they went from planning to move to Peru in December to planning to move to Peru in 36 hours or so. And so she's going to be here for a few weeks, potentially even months, uh, depending on what happens with their, the rental of their home. But we want to be praying about Nancy and their family as well. So let me lead us in prayer. Lord, I do pray blessings on the Guzmans. I pray blessings on Felipe and the girls as they are now back uh, in Lima. I pray that you would keep them safe and give them all the things there that they need. I know it's great for them to be back with family. And so please bless them in all of that. I pray that uh, Felipe's job prospects there will be wonderful uh, for him. Uh, I know their plan is to come back to Canada after a period of time. And so we pray that that would be the case as well. And in the meantime, you would watch over them. Be with Nancy in their absence and protect her and bless her with a sense of peace and comfort while she's here for a while by herself with her family in Peru. And Lord, we all need a sense of peace about the events that have taken place in the last little while, although there are, of course, bigger tragedies that have occurred over the last 15 years or so of our life uh, on this earth in many ways that, uh, that eclipse this one. It's just so tragic the way that things have occurred in our world. Uh, Things have gone astray uh, in a way that... I I know, God, that there's always been turmoil. There's always been sin. There's always been acts of tragedy uh, and, and terrorism even. But the escalation and the presence of it before us all the time is so difficult on us. And so I pray that you'd bless us with a sense of peace. And of course, Father, we're so far removed from this in many ways compared to other people. And 
So we ask your richest blessings on the people in France, the people in, in Lebanon who who experienced some things recently. Uh, these thousands, yea, maybe millions of people affected by the Syrian crisis and the Syrian refugees. I think of what's going on in, in places like uh, North Africa with Boko Haram and just all that is such a, a, a sign of... Uh, of birth pains as your your world is just crying out God to be relieved of the burden of our sinfulness and so I pray that you would would bless these people with peace and more than that God we pray that your good news about Jesus would have an impact on those around us that they can find some sense of direction uh, and satisfaction peace comfort in all that you can bring them use us father as peacemakers we pray these things through Jesus. Amen. In the last uh, little while here, one of the things that's happened in my life is that I had a chance to go and to be with the elders and with Dustin on a, an elders staff retreat. We went up to River's Edge Camp, which is about an hour or so away from here near Cremona, and went up Friday night. It was a wonderful event. I, you know, um, many of you just see the names of the elders in the bulletin, you have some contact with them, but you don't have the chance to spend the kind of time with them the way I just did over a weekend. And it was just such a rich blessing to be with them. They're such uh, great men. Their wives were there. It was just a privilege and a blessing to be with them for sure. Um, Wayne and Darlene actually went up uh, a little bit early. They got there before anybody else. And so they had a chance to pick out their bedroom at the retreat. Um, the rest of us got there a little bit later and we were a little bit awestruck by exactly what it was that Wayne and, and Darlene were experiencing in comparison to the rest of us. Um, the church actually paid for this retreat and so I wanted you to know where your dollars were going. Um, to, I thought that their choice of rooms was a bit extravagant, but you know, that's, that's their choice. Wayne is our senior elder. He, he's been an elder longer than anybody else and so perhaps it was appropriate for him to pick uh, this kind of room in comparison to the rest of us. The, the, other, the other elders got accommodations. Uh, oh, oh, this is, by the way, this is their bathroom. Uh, this was Wayne and Darlene's uh, accommodations for the washroom. And, uh, you know, we were pretty impressed. So after I saw that, I thought, wow, what am I going to get? And uh, this was the room where the other elders were. <laughs> it wasn't exactly as nice uh, as what Wayne and Darlene had. I think it was functional. Uh, I did go by and, and look in there. It seemed to me that the disarray was probably in direct proportion to the disgust that the rest of the elders had about Wayne and Darlene's room. And so this is where they stayed. Dustin and I were able to share uh, accommodations. We, we were in the same room, and so we had this. Um, the, the bed, it was a little bit more narrow than I would have expected. So, it, you know, it was crowded. Uh, but the room was at least serviceably clean. And so... No, well, no, no, it wasn't serviceably clean. But any, anyway, we, we experienced this room, and it was nice. Um, it was cold down there. We were in the basement, and it was pretty cool. Um, and, and then they didn't let us eat during the weekend either. But other than that, it was, uh, it was a nice weekend. We really had a good time. So, Wayne, I'm glad that you and Darlene were blessed in the, the ways that you were. I think that's fantastic. Darlene, what do you think? Were you pleased with your room? Yeah, excellent. There is a story behind all of that, as you can tell. So, We had a wonderful time. Uh, let me just kind of introduce you to the three things that we focused on more than anything else. And I'm going to elaborate a little bit on the three things uh, as they 
got fleshed out over the course of the weekend. First, we identified and defined our ministry priorities. And we looked at the things that we've been doing as a church, the things that we've been focusing on and saying, these are for us as a church priorities, and they have been for several years now. And, and we spent quite a bit of time, about at least an hour and a half, just kind of going over those and talking about where we were in terms of our priorities. We also assessed our effectiveness at doing ministry in light of our priorities. And we kind of asked the question, are we as a church getting the things accomplished that we want to get accomplished? And in, and in some ways we would say, yeah, we're, you know, we're really doing A, very well, B, not so well. And so we went through a whole list of activities and ministries within our church, just asking the question, you know, what are we doing well? How can we do better? And, uh, and did considerable thinking and talking about that. And we did some dreaming and vision casting about how we can really improve uh, the ministry of our church. Because we want, obviously, for God to bless us and for us to do the very best job that we can do as a church. So as we went on and talked about the things that are priorities for us, we, as you can imagine, would go first to our mission and vision statement. We've got the mission statement on the banner up here. To reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ one person at a time is still definitely our priority. Our vision of doing this through making biblical disciples in relational environments, which really consists of our life groups, this is definitely still a focus for us. And it was wonderful to hear the staff and the elders all say, yes, this is where we're still at. This is what we still see as being our priorities. We're not wavering from this at all. At all. And so we definitely affirmed our mission and vision and feel as though God blessed us five years ago now when a group of elders stood up here and when Jack Mooney made the announcement and said we're going to go in a certain direction and we have a certain mission and vision that we're going to follow. We think that was a blessing then and we think it continues to be a blessing for us and we're looking forward to continuing with that mission and vision driving our church ministry. One of the other things that we looked at, which still continues to drive us, is the notion of discipleship. And so we kind of looked specifically at defining what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we said it was something like this, being completely committed. And you'll notice the, the highlighting of the words here, being completely committed to God, Jesus, and the Spirit. And if you, if you don't catch a Trinitarian kind of bent there, then I hope you do. Knowing and following his ways and teachings, including service to the world, to such an extent that what you are becomes part of the lives of others. To such an extent that what they are becomes part of the lives of others. And I think there are some key ideas here. The notion of complete commitment kind of selling ourselves out to the Lord. And then obviously selling ourselves out in certain ways so that we're not just on our own living out our lives, but we have God as our Lord and following his teachings and the service that he wants us to participate in to the world. And then all of that is to be done in such a way that it becomes reproduced in others. And another way that we've looked at this and talked about it in the past is to talk about what mature discipleship really is. We've talked about being a spiritual parent. Spiritual parents are those who, with some kind of intentionality and strategy, go about their business of being disciples of Jesus. They are reproduction-minded in that they do want to see others become 
Christians after them and disciples of Jesus after them. They are in some sense self-feeding in that they have such a strong relationship with God that they can stand even on their own when needed to and grow for themselves. Although, as it turns out, we all need each other badly. They are mission-minded in a complete kind of way so that mission takes them over. And it does become forefront in our minds, the idea of, of being missional going into the world with the gospel and, and helping other people to see the good news of Jesus. Team-minded and that unity matters. And so for the mature Christian, they're going to be very concerned about staying unified with others. And then, of course, they're dependable. The church needs to be able to depend on certain people and say, you know, we are doing ministry together. Can we rely on you? And the spiritual parent comes back and says, yes, you can indeed rely on me. And we end up relying on them. And this is absolutely crucial, I think, that all of us head in this direction. And so whether we're talking about discipleship as something that we're, where we're completely committed to God and therefore doing ministry and following his ways and teachings, we're talking about being a spiritual parent that reproduces and lives out this kind of life, we need to be here. Like every person needs to see this as a challenge to his or her own spiritual life where we say, what do I want to be? Well, I want to be a mature disciple in Jesus. And these things, I think, do represent what it means to be a mature disciple of Jesus. So we talked about these things and and, and said to ourselves at the retreat, we want still to go here. We want to call the church to this. Our elders are the leaders of our church. And as leaders, what are they going to call us to? Well, they want to call us to this. And I think it's a very good thing that they do. We also talked about the effectiveness of our ministry, as I said, and asked the question, how are we doing? And there's some things that we really like about what's been happening in our church as far as ministry. For example, we really like the extent to which we're helping around the world. And so we have our hands in all kinds of places, doing all kinds of wonderful things. This picture was taken uh, in an orphanage in Zambia in February when Robin and Megan and I visited there. These children are direct recipients of your dollars. When you make a contribution to our church, a portion of the money goes directly toward feeding and clothing and educating and caring for these children. And it's one of the most direct things that we could possibly do with our money in terms of ministering to others. There's almost no overhead with Zambia Mission Fund Canada. They have an office in somebody's home. The people who work are all volunteers. Uh, you know, they may, they may have to buy a computer every now and then so that they can do what they do. But basically, we have no overhead. And it's, it's all direct giving of funds to take care of people like this. These are teachers and to show you just how direct this is, we, <clears throat> there are more teachers at the school than just this. Excuse me. <clears throat> there are more teachers at the school than just these people, but these are the ones who receive our direct salary funding. We pay, and, I, and when I say we, I mean Zambia Mission Fund Canada, to which our church contributes. We pay for the salaries of these teachers. The tall guy, the, guy, the biggest guy there is actually the Bible teacher and we pay his salary as well. Most of these teachers were all trained by our teacher's college that we fund. And then it just so happens that the building in which they teach was directly and specifically built by this church. Our church built the building 
that these teachers teach in. And you will remember, if you've been around long enough, that Bob and Terry, Bob Bernard and Terry um, Harkness, thanks, went, went, to, uh, went to Zambia several years ago. They stayed about two months, and they, were, they built this building because they both had bricklaying experience. They actually had, like here, they would go buy the, the bricks at Home Depot or something. They had to make the bricks from the mud and haul the water in order to make the bricks and then build the building. It sounds like I'm going to go into a poem here or something. But that's what they did. And so we built this building. We fund the teachers. We establish the curriculum. We send the books there. We provide, you know, in this particular school, there's no electricity uh, except for some solar panels. Well, where did they get those solar panels? You paid for them, the solar panels that are at this school. And it's amazing the, the blessing that it's been to be associated with this whole effort. This little girl, as you can see, she's holding a photograph, and the photograph is of one of our families, um, Trevor and Sherry and their boys, and they specifically, the wises do, give the money to fund this little girl who is deaf. They fund her so that she can go to a special a school for children with special needs, and Robin and Megan and I had a chance to go and, and visit her. She was the huggiest little thing you could imagine. Just starved for affection. Loved having us there. Grabbing our legs and hugging us. And it just brought tears to your eyes. And even more so to know that Trevor and Sherry are the ones who are financing her uh, existence in that school. Like her chance to be in that school is paid for by Trevor and Sherry Wise. And so all of that is a rich blessing. I'm just so grateful that God gives us these opportunities. Well, that goes on, of course, in terms of us just kind of sending money. But here we have our kids in our uh, spark program that happens in the fireside room on Friday nights once a month or so. And what they're doing right now is that uh, in this picture is they're preparing uh, shoe boxes that will have things in them for Christmas time, send to kids in, uh, in unfortunate circumstances. And so today, just as a, a, not really a side note, but as part of this, if you were to go in the foyer, you're going to find a table with a bunch of shoe boxes on it. And those boxes have been filled with what the Spark kids have done. There is another little box there that suggests that you can donate $7 to pay for the shipping of one of these boxes. And we have about 30 or 40 or so boxes that we're shipping. So if you happen to have 7 bucks in your wallet today and, uh, and want to give that to the sending of these shoe boxes, you certainly are invited to do so. Because we have these opportunities kind of that come to us all the time. It's just wonderful that we have another one of these opportunities. And I'm just touching the hem of the garment in terms of all the places that we're involved in missions and all the ways in which we do relief work. It's all wonderful and God has blessed us with these opportunities. I'm so grateful that we do these, these things as a church. Well, as we move on here, there are other ways in which we were assessing the effectiveness of our ministry and the way that we talked this weekend. We really like, for example, the community service that we do. And I've just made a list here quickly of some of the things. The clothing exchange, we just saw uh, that take place last weekend. I'm going to show that video in just a moment. The benevolence pantry, which is indeed uh, a, a, such a blessing to, to people in our area, our community. People come here, I know I've said this many times, they come here every day, several times a day, different people coming and getting food from us. Sometimes they're homeless. Often they're homeless. Sometimes it's families who just don't have enough. I remember uh, after we'd been doing this for a while, this was oh, a good five or six years ago, uh, I remember Brandy coming to me one day and I asked her 
you know, how many are we doing? She said, oh, about 30 of these or so a month. Well, it's very common now for us to do 30 of these in about three days. And so the escalation in terms of what we are providing, the, the numbers of people who are being uh, influenced by the benevolence ministry is amazing. Uh, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we do 150 uh, a month or more uh, in terms of uh, touching people's lives with that. The affiliation that we have with the Calgary Immigrant Women's Association, there are literally hundreds, thousands of immigrant women in our city who are being influenced by SIWA, and we have a stake in that. They are here Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, virtually all day long, teaching immigrant women to live in Calgary, to speak English, to ride the bus, to know where to buy groceries, etc., etc. And the service that we're providing by having them here and where we're able to minister uh, just through service, allowing them to receive something good, is a, a wonderful blessing to all of these ladies. Um, serve day, where we go into our community, we find out families. Uh, a lot of times it's an elderly couple, somebody who's been ill or injured or something and they're not able to take care of their yard. We go to their houses and we clean their gutters and mow their lawn and take care of their gardens and do some minor repair or whatever that they might need uh, when they're not able to do that. And we've talked about escalating this because there are always people, of course, who have needs. Uh, at this point, we just do this one day a year in the spring, but it's wonderful that we have the opportunity to do so. Christmas hampers. You can probably guess when that happens. And uh, there are some families in our area who have great needs. We find these out through the elementary schools. So the elementary schools, uh, I actually forgot to put brown bags on here. Uh, the elementary schools that we work with in terms of taking the lunches uh, that we do, like twice a week we take lunches. It feeds them all week long. Uh, but we take the lunches twice a, a week, and some of you are uh, preparing those lunches. Um, the schools call us and say, listen, here's our list of people who we think really could use a hand at Christmas time in terms of getting some gifts. And so we take a responsibility for those. We go down and buy a bunch of things and then deliver those. And it's usually about five to seven families that we help at Christmas time. And it's not like sometimes in the past we've helped a lot more, but given them a lot less. Now we give them way more, but we just have a few families that we uh, that we really bless significantly. Uh, Moms and Tots comes here every Wednesday morning, and it's wonderful to be able to have those ladies come in and, and uh, just spend time in our building talking and sharing with one another. And then I wanted to play this video. Some of you may not have seen this from last week, so I wanted to play it again. This is the video from uh, last week's clothing exchange, and uh, we had about 300 people or so in here at one time just going through and looking for clothes in our gym. Can you play that again? And as I mentioned last week, you can see these people coming down the stairs. And that's because the foyer was completely full at the same time that the gym was full. Thank you. Lots of families being blessed uh, because of the work that we do. And I'm just so grateful uh, that that can take place, for sure. And we do that a couple of times a year. People are greatly blessed when we do it. 
We uh, have mentioned Spark before. We're very grateful for what goes on with the Spark ministry with our kids. It's wonderful. Uh, they don't just do things like the, the, uh, like the Christmas boxes, the shoe boxes. They also just come and learn and fellowship. And I'm so grateful for uh, Ed and Karina for that ministry and what they do. We really like what's happening with our teens and young adults. Uh, Dustin is doing a great job. Our teen and young adult group just continues to grow and, and flourish. I don't, I don't know how many active young adults right now. I'm going to guess 15, um, maybe more than that, active young adults in our church and, of course, the teenagers uh, also. Uh, God just keeps blessing that ministry. We really like our adult classes and what's going on. Kevin does a great job on Sunday morning. The adult teachers, the men's uh, study that's going to take place in the spring. All of these are wonderful opportunities. The ladies' study that takes place on Thursday mornings, just rich opportunities for sure. We really like our emphasis on life groups and the central place they play in our church's life. We say every Sunday how much we want people to be involved in life groups because it's so important that this kind of fellowship takes place for each one of us. And so I'll say again, if you're not in a life group, oh, we encourage you so much to be a part of one. You will grow. You will be blessed. You'll have relationships built. If you, if you take the time to be a part of a life group, we want everyone to be part of one. We really like our ethnic diversity. You can look around the, the room this morning and you can see that we're not all white. We're not all black. We're not all Filipino. We're not all Chinese. We are different, each one of us. We are just so many different represent, uh, ethnic groups represented here and we're so grateful for that. We want God to continue to bless us in that way. We really like the way in which our building is utilized all week long. It's so nice to not just sit here in a tomb uh, each week and wait for it to get opened up again on Sunday mornings. Instead, it's busy all week long. God just has people in here and we're doing things. That's wonderful. We really like our men's and women's retreats. Those are good events. People are blessed through them richly. And, uh, and then, before I move on, let me I want to read this letter. This is from a young lady named Sonia Siakalupa. And she currently lives in Livingston, Zambia, and she's attending David, Lipson, David Livingston College. And the fact is, is that she does so because you pay for her tuition. And when I say you, it's not just Zambia Mission Fund Canada that pays for her tuition. I mean that our dollars from the Calgary Church of Christ specifically go and pay for this lady to go to school. Greetings to you, your family, and the whole congregation. At this lovely moment, I would like to inform you that I'm fine, very fine, with my family and me and our congregation as a whole. I'm grateful to inform you that this is my last year and my last term of, of uh, doing, got it, of doing my secondary diploma at David Livingston College of Education, which I've been doing for three years. I really thank God for everything, especially that he helped me through you of... Uh, of much that you've helped me through, uh, of much that you've sponsored me through grade 10, uh, through college where I am now. Through your love, I have reached the level of those who are called teachers through your love as a church. In addition, it has been a hard moment from the time I uh, started school in grade one up until now. I never expected to reach the level that I am now through your love. I was just four when I started in grade one uh, as it was free education at that time, as a contrast to now. 
Uh, it was by the grace of the Lord who gave me the kindness of heart that you helped me a, a lot, and I really appreciate you for everything. Moreover, my sponsors as a Church of Christ, I really thank you for the good work done, my friends, as I was, um, oh, as I was born uh, with others who were lacking this same opportunity. In other words, she's saying, all my friends around me didn't get the same chance that I have, and it's because of you. Finally, I'll, I'll always pray for your life so that God's favor shines in your life. May the Lord frustrate every work of Satan against your life. Uh, may failure never be your testimony or your story, but always be blessed by our mighty Father. Yours, Sonia Sikalupa. Sikalupa. And, uh, you know, this, this lady, uh, whom Rob and I had a chance to meet, and Megan, is just a young woman uh, living in Livingston, going to school. She's going to have a chance to go out into the community and to teach children uh, in their native language the things that they need to learn. And the only reason why that can happen is because somebody in North America was willing to pay her tuition. And as I said, in, that case, in this case, that's us. And so just like those other teachers that I showed you before, uh, Sonia is going to have a chance to be a teacher like that in a school, helping children to learn uh, and to bless their lives. So these are so many of the ways in which our church is involved in ministry. And to be honest, sometimes I just sit back and I'm blown away. Absolutely blown away by all the things that we do. Um, some of you may know Jim Johnson. He and his wife, Betty, uh, typically come to the first service. Uh, they're from the West Coast. They moved out here oh, six months ago or something like that, began attending our church. And he came up to me afterwards, uh, after the first service this morning, and he said, you know, he said, I've been part of churches my whole life. He said, I have never been part of a church that does all the things that we do. He said, I am so pleased to be here and be part of a church that does all these things. And so am I. And so thank you for the ways in which you allow us to serve, the ways that you serve yourselves. The Lord blesses us richly with wonderful opportunities and there is great ministry going on here. And I'm just so grateful for that. Now, dreaming and vision casting was some things that we also did at the retreat this weekend. And so I just wanted to talk about this for a moment here. We want to deepen our connection to Scripture. It was one of the things we specifically talked about because we feel like, and I see this all the time, the fact is, is that our knowledge and understanding of Scripture, our acquaintance with Scripture, our love for Scripture, it just isn't there, I don't think, the way that it used to be. I think this is just waning a bit in us. And we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. And so we want to continue to, to reinforce the notion of centering our lives in Scripture and connecting ourselves to Scripture. And, I, and I'll just say right now, read your Bibles, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. Okay? I really encourage you to read your Bibles and pray every day, and you're going to grow. Read your Bibles. We want every member to have a fuller, completely committed relationship with Christ. A lot of that comes in prayer. A lot of it just comes from this decision that we make to say, I am all in. I'm all in here. My family is all in. I hope that all the men in our church look at their families and say, in order for our church to be successful, in order for our families to be successful, in order for my children to be successful, I need to be all in. And I hope you are completely committed to what Jesus wants you to be. And of course, that goes for everyone. But I, you know, I'm just saying that to the men because I think it's so important that our guys do that. 
We want to find more and better ways to minister to the hurting among us. Some of you do hurt, and we know it. We recognize that. Some of you hurt, and we don't know it. But we want to be able to minister to those uh, in our congregation who hurt in various ways. We talk, for example, about counseling. That, you know, should, we, should we do something in terms of making counseling available? Because people need uh, assistance in various ways. So it's just these are things that we would explore. We want our times of worship to be even more meaningful and engaging. Of course, we've hired someone to come in and, and help us with that. And so Jonathan Straker is going to be here uh, in the middle of February, and he's going to begin to do something with this. When Michael was here doing this, uh, you know, our, our worship just flourished. The guys that have been uh, serving in volunteer positions, all of that is just so wonderful to see that service, and all of it's going to be just stepped up even more when Jonathan is here, and we're looking for the, the blessings that he's going to be. We want to do a better job of making each member and guest know that they're loved through visitation and attendance awareness. We don't do this as well as we need to. It's too easy for people to fall through the cracks. In a group this size, you know, somebody could ask me tomorrow, was so-and-so there? In fact, this happened recently with Andrea Milner. Recently, recently, I called Andrea and I said, I didn't see you yesterday in church. Like, what's up? She said, I was there. And I'm like, no, because I, lo- I looked everywhere. I, you know, I looked for you and I didn't see you. Well, she said, well, I was sitting right behind Wayne. I mean, uh, Wesley. And so Wesley's sitting right next to her now. And <laughs> she was sitting behind Wesley. And I didn't see her. It could happen. But the rest of you, I see you. I know what you're doing. Okay. So we, we, just, we need to do a better job of this, and we want to do it. So we're, we actually have uh, things in the works so that we can do a better job of visitation, a better job of attendance keeping, and just staying on top of who's here and who's not. It's not because we want to be the church police. It's because we care. We want to make sure that people are doing well. We want to improve our outreach into our community, especially helping them to know Christ. We do all of these things that I mentioned before, which are blessings in our community, great ministries, but we don't see the kind of direct connection uh, to Jesus in terms of these people coming to know Christ through those ministries. And we want to see that happen. So we're talking about how that might take place. We want to expand the number of those in our church who are involved in ministry. I look around the room today, there's lots of people who are involved in ministry, but there's some of you who are not, and you know it. And it's not that, you know, you need to be in ministry because I want you to be in ministry. You need to be in ministry because it's great for you if you are. And it's great for the kingdom if you are. It's great for your family if you are. It's great for the world if you're involved in ministry. And so we really want you to be, and we hope you seize opportunities when they come along. We want to increase the effectiveness of our life groups, especially in terms of outreach. We've got some great life group experiences going on, but we really would love to have those become uh, more effective in terms of outreach. When we first started the Life Group program, one of the things that we said was is that our goal was to have people make contact first with our church through Life Groups. Now, the fact is that doesn't happen. Probably 90% of the people who come in contact with our church come to, to this or the first assembly. They come to our worship services first. But what we would love is if our people, all of us, were out building relationships with people and inviting them to a safe place in terms of life groups, bringing them into those small meetings and having a chance to build a relationship with people from the beginning. We want to do a better job of raising up leaders. Some of you would make great leaders in the church, but maybe nobody's ever asked you, nobody's ever tapped you on the shoulder, nobody's ever trained you in that area, and we want to do a better job uh, of just exactly that. 
um, there are opportunities for people to lead in various ways, and we have people who are talented and capable of doing that. And so we're hoping that we can, can make better plans than what we've done in terms of making that happen. And then we want to over, overtly defend the faith and promote historic belief in God, the Son, and the Spirit. I don't know just how aware you are of all the challenges that come our way constantly in terms of faith. And some of you, like if you're, if you're one of those older folks who maybe isn't quite as adept at the computer world as others and you don't tweet, like I don't tweet, okay? I, I, a tweeting is something the bird does, okay? Or it's the name of a small yellow bird in a cartoon, okay? Tweety. But I, I don't tweet. And I had, like I had our elders say to me this week, this, at this retreat, Kelly, you need to start tweeting. Well, I thought that was interesting. Why? Well, we need to start tweeting because there are lots of people out there who are on Facebook or they're tweeting and they're talking specifically about the challenges that come to us with reference to faith and asking questions about um, the defensibility of the Christian faith. Of Some people asking the question, is God even there? And so with these kinds of challenges, we want to be overt and intentional about defending the faith and promoting historic belief in who Christ is. Well, those are the things that we were thinking about. Now let me tell you one thing that needs to be done that, goes along, that needs to go along with this. And that is, we also pointed to the importance of prayer. And we talked about how we as a church just don't pray as much as we need to. Especially about these exact things. And so what we want to do, what I want to do this week, is ask you to do this. At some point this week, you're going to be reflecting on your own spiritual life. You're going to be thinking about who you are as a Christian. You're going to be thinking about what you need to do, or your spiritual disciplines, or some way that you might serve, whatever. And when it crosses your mind this week, I want you to pray about our ministry. Kevin talked in his class this morning about, um, you know, people, are they thinking about death? Do we ever think about these spiritual things? What do you do in response? At some point, you're going to have spiritual thoughts this week. When you do, I would like to ask you to spend some time in prayer. A half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is that you have, maybe every day. Praying and asking God to bless our ministry that we might be the most effective church ministering in our community and in our world as we can possibly be. Please pray this week. Let's pray right now. Lord, thank you for the privilege and the blessing we have of being servants and children of yours. God, I want so badly for our ministry here to flourish but it's going to take you. We, we can't do it for sure. We need so badly, God, for you to minister to us through the presence of your spirit that we might uh, be able to minister in your name. And so I, I pray, God, that you would uh, use the retreat this weekend, use the conversations that we have uh, with each other, stir our hearts uh, that we might not just make plans, but carry out plans fulfill plans.
plans to minister more effectively in your name. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.